You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Friday, the 7th of April. It's a gorgeous, bright, sunny morning here on this Good Friday in TW11. And I hope you're all looking forward to a fantastic and relaxing weekend. Not much relaxing about uh, the weekend if you're in racing. Obviously, the big open day in, in Lambourne today but also action all around the country, Lingfield, Newcastle and Bath, as I welcome Rishi Passad to the show. Rishi, what's the uh, Easter weekend looking like for you? Busy, busy, busy. Lucky, happy Easter. Um, heading up to Musselburgh today for racing tomorrow. Um, and then I've got a lot of chores when I come back home on Sunday. Uh, there's a lot of stuff to do in the garden, apparently. Well, pre- and presumably creating an Easter egg hunt as well. Oh, yes. I mean, that, that goes without saying, but... Um, that's all part of the list of chores that has already been drafted before my arrival back home after racing at Musselburgh on Saturday. One piece of advice after you come home on the plane from Musselburgh? <laughs> yeah, go. Don't use the T word. The T word? Tired. <laughs> of course, I, well, I, well, I won't be because I'll, I will have been away with my, my friends having a, a lovely time at the races, so it'll be fine. And Musselburgh, obviously, racing tomorrow, part of ITV's coverage there. Good card, as I said. Excellent stuff today. Good Friday. The Buridon Stakes at Newcastle is one of the feature races there. Later on in this podcast, I'll be talking to Richard Ryan of Team Valley. They have Bayside Boy and Gear Up fame. Be hearing about a horse that they've recently acquired, Galeron. Also be talking about Gear Up and Numerian, who are taking on Animo and Dubai Honor in the Queen Elizabeth at Randwick this weekend. It's a really interesting and informative interview. And Richard also unearths one or two horses, both three-year-olds and two-year-olds, who could excel this season. Well worth staying tuned for that. Yesterday, we brought you the significant news that the company... Uh, owned and founded by leading owner John Dance, uh, owner of Lawrence, owner of Brave Man's Game, the man who's created Manor House Stud Stables in Midlam, had been placed into special administration by the High Court. There was a hearing yesterday afternoon, but no further details emerged, save for the fact that that interim order to place the firm into special administration had indeed been granted i spoke to the bha this morning they said they were aware of the situation confirmed they were aware of the situation but they had not received any further notification either from northumbria police nor from the financial conduct authority as to how they should proceed but they would uh, let us know as soon as they had had any notice of that and there's not really much more issue we can say about that at this stage on to other news um, Jack Tudor has been appointed stable jockey to David Pipe, an important position. A stable jockey to the man currently lying in the top 10 in the trainer's table, one of the most numerically powerful stables in the country. Jack Tudor, just 20 years old. Big opportunity for him. Indeed. And given the fact that it is Pond House, it's quite an illustrious uh, set of uh, footsteps that he has to follow in. Obviously, Peter Scudamore, Richard Dunwoody, A.P. McCoy, etc., um, and so it, as a 20-year-old getting this position, it's uh, a big task. But he's proved himself, obviously, one of the more exciting young talents riding. Um, funny enough, one of his best successes came in a, a Verton-sponsored race, the Ida, earlier on uh, this season when he rode Kitty's Light, who was very hard work through that race. Um, but in fairness, he's been with the Christian Williams team for, for quite a while. He's improved as that team has improved. He's improved along with them. 
Um, and he did pay tribute to Christian Williams for all the support that he's given, but this is a great opportunity for him. I think it is a great opportunity because David Pipe's team looked reinvigorated this season. I felt uh, it's one of their best seasons for a while. Um, and the, look, the likelihood is that it will get on, carry on getting stronger uh, over the next uh, few few seasons. And it's a good spot for, for Jack Tudor. And I think he's got the talent uh, to really take advantage of it. Yeah, it seems to me that David Pipe has done well with relatively modest horses, not to disparage them, but he's he's run them plenty, and and the results speak for themselves, really, in terms of the numbers and the the amount of prize money garnered. No surprise, because we flagged this up as a possibility last week, but Henry de Bromhead has confirmed that Envoi Allen will take his chance in the Punchestown Gold Cup and take on Galapin des Champs. There's no doubt what the highlight of that week is going to be. Yeah, that'll be something exciting. Um, I still think, obviously, like, personally, that Galapin de Champs is in a completely different league to anything else uh, who may turn up, not saying in comparison to Brave Man's game, but certainly anything else that may turn up. Uh, so I thought the Gold Cup in terms of depth and, and chasing was just a, in a, a completely different parish to everything else. So whilst I think it will be a great clash, um, and be interested to see whether Envoy Allen can actually continue this uh, renaissance, then it'll be, I still think, uh, Galapin de Champs race to lose. All right, let's turn our thoughts to Aintree to the Grand National. It all begins on Thursday. What a day we've got on Thursday with Constitution Hill running and also that fantastic edition of the Bowl. Clearly at the moment, we don't know whether Brave Man's Game will be able to participate in the Bowl, but we'll bring you news on that during the course of, of next week. Uh, what we we do know is that the ground has dried up quite considerably and we'll be hearing from Clark of the Course, Soleil Kavama, in just a few moments' time. What we don't know is whether Royal Pagai, who currently heads the weights for Monday's Irish National at Fairy House, but is also quietly fancied by some to run a bold race in the entry equivalent. We don't know whether he will go to entry or head to Ireland, but the one man who does know is our good friend on this podcast, uh, Joe Chambers, and a little earlier... I spoke to him and posed the question. At the moment, I'd say we're leaning towards Ireland, and that's purely because of what the respective ground conditions are at Fairy House and at Aintree. Um, Fairy House yesterday was soft to heavy, heavy in places, and looks as though they're going to get a fair bit of rain on Saturday night into Sunday and again on Monday morning. Aintree looks as though, you may know better than I do, looks as though it's kind of good ground almost with a little bit of good to soft in it on the national course based on a report I saw yesterday. Yeah, I think Saleka was calling it good to soft, good on the Nash and, and good, good to soft on the mild, man. That would pretty well tally with how it felt when I, I had a walk around on, on Tuesday. It was absolutely beautiful ground, but it's definitely not soft as things stand at the moment. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm not trying to argue that he's well in in either place. He he runs off one six three in the national in in entry, and he got dropped three pounds for the gold cup, which um to one sixty, uh, and he runs off one sixty at Fairy House. Um, so slightly shorter trip, regulation fences rather than the national fences. I thought he probably put in his best round, the most consistent round of jumping at least in the gold cup since we've had him. So. You know, do you try and mess with that and, and, and shoot for the big one at Aintree? Um, or do you um, perhaps lower your sights a little bit in terms of the quality of the race, but be potentially wide open to a few that have been laid out for, for the Irish National? Um, I don't know. So, But I think we always said we'd follow the ground and follow the weather. And it looks as though, as we talk now on Friday morning, that it's going to be that bit wetter and softer at Fairy House. So 
we have until tomorrow morning the horse wouldn't travel until Saturday evening or even Sunday morning so we do have a bit of time on our side up to declarations at 10 o'clock tomorrow all right, you've got a um, Rich and Susanna Richie have got a stack of entries over the over the weekend, so it could be um, fun and games at Fairy House. Who are you most looking forward to seeing out? Um, we've got Allegory Devasi back out tomorrow in a mare's in a mare's uh, handicap chase. Um, she'll find it tough to beat Limerick Lace, I think, on that ground, um, and it's also over two five in a bit, so it's a little bit longer. Uh, we'd probably be keen to see her come back and trip rather than go out, but. Um, it is Willie we are talking about after all and that's where his pin has dropped for this weekend so we shall see Horanza Dairy goes in the 100 grand handicap hurdle the Ribo handicap hurdle he is, he's, he is still a maiden having been second for us three times but an opening mark of 128 I think gives him a chance uh, Animix goes in the Hunter's Chase tomorrow He, uh, if he can finish in the first three it'll make him eligible for the Fox Hunters at Aintree next season and he was obviously second I think it was in the top of last year off top weight so he's a horse that we'll probably put in a thorough bid sale or something similar in a month's time and if he had that qualification it would appeal to a lot of people Mr Policeman is a uh, horse that we bought at an octave sale last summer uh, he had a little setback around the middle of winter he'll run in the conditions hurdle hopefully at Cork um, what else have we got? Who well, is you, you still haven't given you still haven't given me the right answer to the question, which is who are you most looking forward to seeing? You've mentioned about seven horses, and you've not mentioned. Drum roll, please. Well, I've only got as far as Saturday, but we normally have my fish on a Friday, Nick. But it looks as though there's every chance we might have some monkfish on Monday. Oh, it's ridiculous. Is he actually going to run? Um. He's had a few away days, and you know, as I said to you before, we don't talk about it an awful lot, but. There's every chance, I think, that, you know, assuming he doesn't trot on a stone between now and Monday, that he will run. And Willie also put him in the uh, the world hurdle at, um, at Punchestown um, in a few weeks' time as well. So, yeah, I think there is every chance that he will run, yes. Monkfish. He really, he lives and breathes and he is going to run a ferry house on Monday in the Rathbury and Glenview Studs hurdle, grade two. Now, that, it's exciting to have him back, isn't it? It'd be wonderful to get him back. Um, you know, it's been softly, softly. And I know he's been a narrative that has been running through the um, Up For Best Sportscast Nick Luck pod daily um, for the last few months. But um, we'd love to see him back. I think Willie has been pretty patient as he is um, with these types of projects. And the fact that he has put him in the grade one three-mile hurdle at Punchestown as well gives us a lot of confidence that when he says he's doing everything right, he, he must be doing everything right. Um, you're also doing everything right because you're about to run the London Marathon. So here's your chance to um, to increase your, your sponsorship, I'm hoping. Um, I, I, to be fair, anyone who knows you knows you've worked bloody hard for this. How much have you shed in the training process? Um, I think we're up, we're just over 20 kgs seem to have disappeared, Ooh. about four, four pounds, yeah, something like that. And um, it's been a bit of a, I hate the word journey, but um, yeah, I started on July 25th last year. So um, yeah, it'll be almost nine months to the day, actually, when the marathon happens that uh, I left the couch and started doing 30 second jogs and 90 minute walks. And I did my last long run last Sunday um, uh, around parts that you will know well, such as Bushy Park and along along the Thames along there. So 
we managed to do three hours and 15 minutes on our feet, which um, was a fairly laughable suggestion not so long ago. So, uh, yeah, it's coming on well. I bought a, uh, I bought a, a silent auction prize at the London Property Race Day last uh, last July uh, from Wellchild, so running an aid of Wellchild, and they've kindly allowed me to add uh, the Brain Tumor Organisation as well. And, um, yeah, so we're running for two very worthwhile causes. And touch wood, we stay sound for the next two weeks. I guess I now know what it feels like to be a trainer of uh, racehorses before Cheltenham when you've got fingers crossed and nothing goes wrong. But... The hard work, I guess, is in the bank, and it's just a case of um, getting fresh legs now to the starting line and uh, two weeks on Sunday. That's, that's unreal. 20 kgs and going from 30-second runs to 3 hours and 15. I take my hat off to you. Right, how do we how do we donate? Uh, there's a pinned tweet on my Twitter, which is at ScobieCJr, um, S-C-O-B-I-E-C-J-N-R, and... One of the girls in the office has kindly created an Instagram account for me as well, as apparently that's where all the cool kids hang out, um, which is under my own name. Actually, what is my handle there? There you go. Uh, Scobiec underscore, S-C-O-B-I-E-C underscore. And there's a uh, link at the top of each one. That's great. I'm, I, I, you're, you're terribly grand. The, the girls in your office have created your Instagram account for you. Well, I wouldn't have a clue how to do such things. I, I, I wasn't on the gram four weeks ago, and apparently now I am. So there you go. I, I actually don't even know how to use it, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, um, I, I barely know how to send the odd tweet, and even that gets me into trouble most of the time, as you well know. Um, run, Forest, run. We will, uh, we will speak very soon. Thanks so much, Joe. Thank you, Nick. Bye-bye. All right, well, let's just get a quick blast of what the ground is now as we speak. I'm recording this at 8. 43 and Seleka is on the line now. Um, Seleka, it's, it's been a mixture of a little bit of a few showers, but some, some lovely weather as well at Aintree this week. Uh, I, I was just saying to Joe, I, I was walking the course earlier earlier in the week and I saw you and I thought the ground was absolutely beautiful, but it, it definitely wasn't soft. It's not soft now, is it? No, I mean, I'm, I'm out on the course at the moment. We've got um, beautiful blue skies. The sun is beating down. Um, it's about seven degrees at the moment, but it's due to get up to something like 14, possibly even 15 today. So we've got a warm day and similar tomorrow. Um, but next week is looking more unsettled. Um, it's a little bit of a typical April picture where there's not a lot of certainty in the forecast. You know, it says rain, but it's 50, 60 percent chance rather than what you might get in, in the winter where they're saying 80, 90 percent. Um, so we're we're officially we're good on the mild main hurdle and we're good good to soft in places on the Grand National course currently. And so that obviously poses you the the dilemma of, of, of to water or not to water and if to water when to water. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, the challenge we have is if the rain doesn't come next week or it doesn't come in any volume, then we don't want to be on the back foot and and find ourselves in a position where we can't get enough water on. So um, I think we're going to make a decision later today, but I think we probably will put a little bit on, certainly on the Grand National course and possibly on the mild main hurdle as well um, in the next 24 hours. Um, It won't be a lot, but it will just be enough to replace the moisture that we're losing um, through the through the sort of warm weather that we're seeing just now. All right, that was uh, Saleka Varma there. And before that, Joe Chambers, just picking up a, a few bits and pieces out of that with Rishi. Uh, I think uh, it's pretty um, pretty prudent to err on the side of caution as, as regards the watering at Aintree, Rishi. 100%. 
you know better than I do, Nick, that this is a race that, or this is a meeting and the Grand Nationals are a race that is going to be viewed uh, for more than just this, the spectacle of watching horses uh, competing uh, at a very high level. Um, I think it's important from a welfare perspective to have the ground ideal to suit as many runners as possible, but most importantly, uh, to be safe. And no wonder uh, Salika will be erring on the side of caution in that respect. And of course, the big news from Joe Chambers, I suppose actually the big news really is that Royal Pagai is likelier to go to Ireland, which lets one more, <laughs> horse, which lets another horse into the Grand National feasibly and also changes the complete shape of the Irish National. So it is a, an important bit of news. Yeah, absolutely. It is important. I think for the horse himself, I, I, I like the fact that he's going for the Irish Grand National. I, I think that's a race that will suit him. Um, and when you consider his performances over a, a significant period now, he's put up some really good runs in some of the best races around. And I, I'm i not entirely certain what price he may be, but I think he wouldn't be the worst each way bet, even though he's obviously got to give weight all round. I think he's around 25 to 1. Um, I just I think the, the, the rhythm of a uh, Irish Grand National might suit him better than any other options that he may have. I, uh, I just hope that there's enough ease in the ground for him to show his best. And But of course, the real big news was that Monkfish is back. <laughs> yeah. At last, at last. Well, I mean, was. he's entered anyway. <laughs> well, I hope he doesn't turn into another M horse and he becomes the Monsignor. Um, and we we keep hearing that he's coming back. But it, he, he was such an exciting horse um, a couple of seasons back. Uh, I really hope that he can fulfil some of the potential, some of the potential that he once had. Um, because I think, even you know the, the the likes of Willie Mullins, who who's not that easily impressed, given how many good horses he he's trained over the years, um, felt that he could potentially win a Gold Cup with Monkfish. So maybe one day it still can happen. Yeah, he won that um, Brown Advisory, if, even if it was called the Brown Advisory. Then at the behind closed doors Cheltenham Festival, yes. I, I fear he contracted long COVID in the process. <laughs> seems, to be, seems to be emerging now, which is which is good news. Let's hope we we see him. Well, one man who's incredibly well represented in the Irish National Monday is Noel Mead, who trains the horse who's been on everybody's lips for this for a long time. The young, exciting, progressive, the devil's coachman, Noel, joins me now. Noel, how's he doing? Yeah, we are very happy with him at the moment. Um, everything's gone well since the run in Limerick. And uh, like he really has all his work done now and everything's gone smoothly. Were you ever tempted to send him to Aintree? Um, not really, no. Um, we sort of uh, played him kind of quietly this year, um, and and uh, he it sort of worked out fairly well for us. And uh, no, not really, not really. No, this lo- this looks a, this looks a good spot for him at this stage of his career. He's also very effective with with plenty of of giving the ground. How soft do you expect it to be, Monday? Well, the forecast now at the moment is for it to rain again on Sunday night and, and on Monday. So the ground, unlike most years, is coming from a soft position, if you know what I mean. It's been heavy yeah. all week. So it's not like as if we've been looking for rain to soften it up. We're, we're looking for rain to sort of keep it soft. So it, I think the ground will be okay. And just just looking at his, his chasing starts, um, no, most of the time he's been beating relatively small fields I mean, in good races do you think he's got the street wisdom if you like for the cut and thrust of an Irish national which I always think can sometimes look even more um, hurly-burly than a, than a national itself 
Oh, there's no question that is the that is that is a serious serious concern. You know, like I mean, uh, if he was slow over the first four, the race could be over by the time he goes a half a mile. You know, uh, he was slow at the last day uh, over the first couple, but he warmed into it very well. Um, but I think I think um, the race the last day, although he got a two pound penalty, I think the experience was worth the two pound or the two pound was worth the experience whatever way you want to see it so uh, or say it so I think that will, the race will only be a help to him if he jumped out well in the end and who else are you going to declare for the Irish National um Fasa Delage is the other one uh will probably run I deal care is going to uh entry Entry for, ah. the, for the for the for national and now lieutenant command wants good ground and it's possible he might be declared all right uh, but he he'd have to have good ground and that's because if he doesn't go there he go to entry for the top for the top and where you will get I think some nice ground. Dilka, I would say, has been the least talked about horse for the Grand National that there's been. Are we overlooking him unduly? Well, his second last run was very good. He just got touched off in the paddy okay. pa- in the paddy power at uh, at um, Christmas. He was beaten a, a head or a short head, I think, or a nose maybe, and uh, that was that was good. A run. He then ran in the national trial in Pontchartrain. The national trial in Pontchartrain has run on the inside track, and Dilker is a very big awkward horse and he just couldn't handle the bends and the turns and he was he, he was he was beaten after a couple of fences because he just he was on top of his head trying to he's he's not the quickest horse in the world but he does stay very well okay do you know who's going to ride him in the national at the moment i do kieran buckley rides uh he he claims he three but he can't claim the national obviously but he did ride him and he got on very well with him at christmas in uh, in um, leopardstown so we've decided to stick with him all right that was noel mead enjoy the weekend at fairy house rishi Passad, who'll be enjoying a weekend at musselburgh and elsewhere is with me now and rishi uh, bill barber the industry editor for the racing post has has written up and interpreted uh, the leak uh, from government to the sun surrounding the gambling white paper today so my apologies that this is coming to you slightly third hand but i'm grateful to my my colleagues anyway who've interpreted it for us but the most significant line surrounds the possibility of of levy reform there's there's two bits of levy here but the the interesting one here is levy reform so a change to the way that um, money is collected from the bookmakers to um to, to bolster racing's purse obviously the more money that can be returned to the sport the better um, I've got I've got to be honest, Nick, I've got to the stage with the gambling review that I'm not entirely certain what I'm expecting from it anymore. Um, there have been so many leaks, delays, suggestions of what's going to happen. Ideally, if we did get a situation where we got uh, more a, a, a levy review uh, that would ensure more funding for the sport, then terrific. But in the meantime, the sport does have to push forward with its own suggestions. And, its own, and I know it's doing that. The sport is progressing with different ideas different strategies looking at the way um, the fixture list is going to be pr- produced because this gambling review has taken such a long time to come forward um it's been a, a huge pain if i'm entirely honest i mean you've you've i can't 
I can't imagine how many hours you'd have spent on the pod talking about this. We are certainly getting towards the publication of the white paper. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it seems as though most of these details have been leaked. And the, the key sentence in the Sun piece was horse race betting faces higher taxes under a new review to ensure proper funding for the sport. I mean, we assume that means they will look at a different model for the levy. They will look at the possibility in the sport will be petitioning yeah. for a turnover model rather than a than a gross profits model. But there's an awful long way to go, I would suspect. Talking of, of levies of a different kind, I think one thing we do now know, and this was flagged up on this podcast by both Michael Duggar and Philip Davis in the last few weeks, and an acceptance yeah. thereof, that there will be, within this white paper, recommendations for a statutory levy. Um, don't mistake the levy for the levy. A statutory levy <laughs> on firms to to um, assist in, in uh, providing care for gambling related harm and and that will be a ma a mandated levy uh from from the betting industry which is uh certainly the the, the right approach um and one to be commended without question i i i hope that it would be one of the the positives to come forth from it and i'm i'm pleased to hear that that seems to be what a lot of people are anticipating we've had a good intercontinental flavor to the podcast this week uh, Richard Ryan from Team Valley Racing rather embodies that because he'll have to have his eyes everywhere over the next few days with Galleron, uh, a recent acquisition or relatively recent acquisition, a close season acquisition anyway, the Goss Million winner uh, re reappearing uh, uh, at Newcastle over the weekend and Gear Up and Numerian uh, taking on the, the horses we talked about yesterday in that clash between Animo and Dubai Honor in the Queen Elizabeth uh, at Randwick and there's the promise of plenty more to come French Claim was a winner for the operation uh, for Paddy Toomey last week and there's a, a good few horses perhaps waiting in the wings as well uh, Richard uh, an exciting weekend for you let's start with Galleron and uh, tell me why why did you you and the the Team Valley team um, go for him in in the in the winter well, it's a, uh, hi Nick. Uh, but the the question was at the time the, the value of the form um in the Goffs Million, and looking back at him uh, over over his season, uh, I liked him as a yearling. Um, but you know, out of a Galileo mare, he was a particularly good stamp. Um, uh, and having already bought a number of uh, particularly strong individuals at that year's Orby sale, um, he, it was it would have been a case of just one one too many on our on our sort of uh, buying plan. So. Uh, we kept a, oh, I kept quite a, a sort of uh, interested eye on him. Um, he ran in that very hot maiden at Goodwood uh, that Royal Scotsman um, won, and, and numerous other smart performers came out behind. So I sort of noted his his season, um, and he's he's a particularly strong, well made colt himself. Um, he beat a very good horse of ours in Helsing, who. Um, we've always rated very highly and was semi-saved for the Goffs Million instead of um, taking up uh, other stakes appointments due to the prize money attachment uh, to that race. Um, and so we, it, it was, I was delighted to see it, see our horse run so well, but equally um, sort of wringing my hands at seeing Galler on a horse we liked at the time uh, as a yearling <laughs> come past and beat us. So the value of that form uh, we kind of personally upgraded a little bit and felt that Galleron could make a, a very strong three-year-old internationally. 
um, uh, and well placed by Charlie could uh, could sort of increase on on his achievements at that point. So Newcastle could be a stepping stone to getting on a plane. Oh my God! Yeah, he 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 um, he he's proven he can travel um, internationally and and thrive on it. Um, he's quite a laid back cult, um, a great temperament, which you need to do that job. Um, and has physically developed from two to three, having observed him at Charlie's um, re- in recent months. Um, so the, the style of, of an overnight or, or traveling suits him because it switches him on. And that's not uh, not dissimilar in, in in makeup to one or two of our other horses in recent years. And, um, and, and I can see him even potentially ending up in Australia for... for uh, hopefully, uh, something like a, a golden eagle or something like that. If he if he just finds another five, six, seven pounds of of, uh, of uh, ability this year. All right. Well, with that in mind, you take me neatly on to Australia this weekend and two horses that you either own or co-own. Uh, Gear Up and Numerian. They're both very smart horses. Gear Up was a Group One winning two-year-old for Mark and Charlie Johnston. Went to Joseph O'Brien. Now with Annabelle Nisham. Likewise, Numerian, who picked up a ton of money last time when finishing second in in a good race. Um, what chance have you got of of ruining this, as we heard yesterday, clash of ashes intensity between between Haggis and Cummings? Well, I, 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 I'm not so sure that that's possibly on the agenda, but um, the, the, the prize money down to um, 12th uh, is, is fabulous, as, as is the case with a number of uh, significant races in Australia. And we've, it's part of our strategy as owners um, to avail ourselves of, of those uh, those pots if, if we've got a horse good enough to go down. And, and we'll be adding to that string um, by the end of the year with our European draft um, of with the horses of the right calibre um, and targeting other pots. So uh, in this instance, we feel that it's a short straight at Randwick, only two, 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 um, two, uh, two furlongs, just over two furlongs, uh, and, and off that bend with a forward-going horse, you know, the, the, there's always a little bit of scrimmaging and looking for, for clear clear passages for a run, by which time horses that, that are of top group standard that can go along at the, their own gallop can actually put um, those better horses slightly under pressure to, to find that better run. So that's the theory behind it. Um and I would like to think one of the two would pick up a reasonable slice of the pots, uh, making it fully justified en route to their own significant targets that are, are that are probably more realistic. Uh, French claim was good winner last week. You're going to have some fun with him, aren't you? I mean, he's a he looks like a horse that you, there, there isn't a distance too far from. You've got all sorts of options. <clears throat> yeah, he 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 was um, he he ran a great race. And has been minded, um, minded very carefully by Paddy. Thankfully, we we had designs on on Derby level last year, and um, with a with a heavy heart, we ran in the Derrinstown Derby trial, finishing third. But the ground was very quick that day, um, just about quick enough for him to justify taking part. But it was uh, it was a very much in the balance decision on the day, and slightly regretted it. Um, because it made us uh, pick very carefully our route through the season, having having just felt the ground, but not not, not exactly jarred, but just having felt it. Um, so we 
we ran a blinding race in the Irish Derby again on just about acceptable ground behind the, the, the superb, impressive Westover on the day. And, and it gave us, obviously, the, the confidence in the horse's ability level, but um, picking our shots until we got the, the appropriate conditions, it, probably the best part of his season was 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 behind him. Um, so we, we were going with what we had but it was probably not the best of him um so we pulled stumps regrouped paddy's uh, wintered him beautifully physically has developed a uh, much stronger horse this year and it, it, it gives us options he's french bred <coughs> excuse me and um those those races in france in the autumn are probably on the agenda as well as uh, you know picking our picking our way through the uh, stakes uh, program at um, anything between a mile and six and two miles, and maybe even further, we'll see. All righty. And, and I know you like to find one absolute star per season. I mean, you've got a few candidates this time. Bayside boy has now gone off to stud. So who is going to be the next Bayside boy? Who's going to be the, the sleeper hit of 2023 for Team Valley? Uh, well, it could be wishful thinking, Nick, but I... I've got a feeling Helsing has wintered exceptionally well. Um, <clears throat> he's he's a, a, a brute strong horse with a with a big stride. Um, he, he, his achievements last year were were in spite of um, in spite of himself actually a very big, tall, powerful colt that probably hadn't filled his frame, but yet showed uh, good stakes form at two. I think he'll make a big step forward this year, um, and him married with with probably a, a squad of two year olds that were all of a similar stamp. Um, that for this season, those selected as yearlings, they've, they've, we've got a number of high class, I think, uh, potential, and, and I'm sure one of our two year olds will make um, make some sort of headline by the end of the season. All right, now a study into exercise and nutrition that helps jockeys to make weight safely is going to have its findings published in an international journal. It's considered a pivotal study in jockey athlete welfare, and the findings demonstrate that with the correct nutrition and exercise program, jockeys can stay hydrated and consume regular food while they improve their body composition and increasing metabolism. I'm joined by Dr. George Wilson from Liverpool John Moores University, who's conducted the study uh, with a five-year funding commitment from the, the Racing Foundation as part of their commitment to support racing's workforce. Now, George, I appreciate that you cannot cram the court into a pint pot and tell me exactly what you have found in the space of three or four minutes, but... Um, just tell us, first of all, why you wanted to undertake this. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on the show first, uh, Nick. Uh, yeah, it's uh, racing is a passion of mine. I, I worked in racing when I first left school in 1980. Uh, I worked for a number of highly revered trainers, including Martin Pipe and uh, Josh Gifford. Uh, I went to the 1977 Grand National, 79, and I wanted to ride after being inspired by watching that event. So I actually managed to ride as a jump jockey as well in the 80s. Uh, and then when I come out of working in racing, I got uh, I went into academia uh, and uh, I ended up doing my doctorate. And I was always fascinated by uh, the ways I'd made weight in the past. Uh, so I wanted to know what the effects were on sort of physical, mental well-being, performance. Uh, and I'd, so for the last 14 years, I've been undertaking research into that area. 
Uh, and the latest study is the culmination of that research with a five-year longitudinal study uh, where we see how jockeys, if you give them the right nutrition and evidence-based exercise advice uh, and to show them they can make weight better, do they stick to it when you leave them to their own devices? So that's what this five-year five study is. Are you surprised by anything that you've discovered? Um, not particularly from the improvements in body composition, uh, so a reduction of uh, body fat and also an increase in rest and metabolic rate and also improvements in hydration status. Because, Nick, we'd uh, undertaken smaller short-term interventions over six and nine weeks where we actually sort of kept, kept the eye on the jockeys and were in constant contact with them. Only small numbers, uh, like 10 jockeys in one study. And we actually sent them the food. So we took all, undertook all the baseline testing, looked at what, where they were, what we could get them down to in body composition-wise with body fat. And also uh, then we sent the food to the houses and over six weeks. And all they had to do was eat it and follow the program. So we weren't surprised at a sense because we knew that in the short term, these, these uh, programs had worked. And uh, it's just using the exercise science to show that if you're in a negative energy balance, you can still eat five times, six times a day and still lose the body weight. But that was sort of contrary to sort of the culture of racing, even from my own experience. Yeah. And you'll remember, of course, in your day, you know, diuretics were, were king as well. <laughs> Obviously, they've been outlaws since then. But um, yeah. the fact that, you, you know, the idea was that you would dehydrate yourself in order to take the weight off to make weight what we're we're more accustomed to now is is staying hydrated so that our body weight is better is better regulated on a consistent basis yeah and also the problems with dehydration if severe uh, severe dehydration can drop your blood pressure uh you know it can cause all kinds of uh, problems kidney and renal function and uh, obviously we know that reaction time is compromised by dehydration and if there's one sport you want to have quick reaction time it's a, it's a horse racing Particularly, you know, if you're going around the bend at Kempton at 40 miles an hour and you're all sort of, you know, within a cigarette paper of each other, uh, you know, and somebody's reaction time isn't up to scratch, you can, you know, you can, you can, you can see what's going to happen. And also with the jumps, you've got to have a razor sharp reaction time. So we've done studies where we've actually uh, dehydrated jockeys by 2% in the lab laboratory, got them to undertake a simulated race ride and shown that their reaction time and their strength and their pushing frequency was significantly compromised by just a 2% reduction in body mass. Now, we know jockeys commonly will drop more than 2% daily to make weight, you know. And you would still encourage jockeys to come to you, wouldn't you, at, at Liverpool John Moores, if, if, if they feel that they need some assistance with, with sorting out a nutritional programme and sort of trying to keep their weight stable? Yeah, we. I mean, we're sort of unofficially classed as the centre of excellence around the world for this, Nick. And considering what I've seen over 400 professional and amateur jockeys since 2009, uh, you know, uh, we seem to be the go-to place. And it's fantastic that Racing Foundation have funded this, because without the funding, we wouldn't be able to do it. But I, I'm a researcher at the end of the day, But uh, and there's lots more research going on. Now, we have changed the culture, and we've changed, certainly, jockeys' perceptions on how to make weight. And it's come a long way since I rode, firstly, in 1985 as a conditional when I dropped nearly a stone in a week to make make ten stone, you know, thank, thankfully those days are going, but they are they're not gone for already. You know, we've still got a long way to go, and people are still making doing silly things to make weight. You know, George, thanks so much for talking to me this morning, and and congratulations on a a, a great piece of research, and, and look forward to reading it in full. Thanks, Nick. All the best. Bye bye.
It's 30 years since 18-year-old Stephen Lawrence was murdered at a bus stop in south-east London. That was in 1993, subsequent to which his name and his memory have become synonymous with a a landmark crusade to change criminal justice and equality legislation. And the 30th anniversary on, on April the 22nd will stage events to commemorate that life and that legacy all across the, the United Kingdom. The race courses in the United Kingdom are no exception. Air and Newbury will be staging the premier fixtures that day. Uh, and Josh Appiaffi, whose work you'll be well familiar with by now on this podcast, has been the conduit between the uh, Stephen Lawrence Foundation and horse racing in a bid to to recognise and commemorate Stephen's life. And he joins me now. Um, just, just explain a little bit about what racing is is doing to to, to join uh, the the commemoration of, of Stephen's life. 100%. Good morning, Eric. Um, what it's doing, it was, it was an ask by myself. I'd started working with the Stephen Lawrence Foundation last year, and it was an awareness factor of what we had as assets in terms of our sport. And we've got some fantastic assets, and we are part of the British fabric of society. And if the rest of Britain was reflective that day of what happened 30 years ago. I wanted to make sure that our sport was exactly the same. Um, and all race courses, there was not one no or question when I looked at who was racing that day um, to look at um, what could we possibly do on that awareness factor. There's a really powerful video that goes out today uh, that's led by Trevor McDonald, Ed Sheeran, all sorts of, sort of leading figures of, our, of modern Britain uh, including, of course, Dame Doreen Lawrence um, about Stephen Lawrence Day. And so we've all got the biggest... Tele- our race courses have the biggest televisions in Britain, of course. We've got big screens, so that video will be played across the big screens. There are some race sponsorships. There are some title sponsorships um, at the likes of Brighton and Nottingham that race that day. Um, there are bucket shakers with those fantastic race makers that come under the GBR banner at every race course uh, in aid of the foundation. And, of course, you've got things like race card adverts as well. So they've really, race courses and racing have really come to the party. Now, you've met um, Dame Doreen Lawrence, haven't you? Just just explain to me what a what a force she has been uh, and just tell me what sort of person she is. Well, she's, she's probably one of the most amazing people I've ever encountered, to be honest with you. Um, she doesn't have to say something. There is a, pres- there is a presence about her, um, which her, her, her story... And her face and her expressions before her even words come out tell the story of, of, of a very, very tough 20, well, 30 years uh, since that awful event of where she's had to actually take on the Crown Prosecution Service, the Metropolitan Police um, that have obviously been proven since then. There were suggestions of racism and corruption. And the then uh, it took till 2005 and the then Home Secretary jack straw to change a law for people to be retried about around further new evidence that has come about and it wasn't until 2012 that there was actually justice done and two and two of the original suspects uh, were found guilty of stephen's murder and to be told for decades that you're either lying or they're trying to and they were covering stuff up for her to keep going is was just unbelievable. And anyone that's not seen some of her speeches in the House of Lords, um, you can find them on YouTube. And um, 
to play a tiny part um, of bringing racing to the fore to make um, the awareness campaigns that uh, we can possibly do with our sport is, is I feel, honoured that uh, our sport has, has been brilliant on that, like I say, and um, and as does uh, Dame Lawrence, and it's, it's brilliant that we're part of that uh, fabric of, of, of modern Britain. Okay, thanks to uh, to Josh and to all my guests today. Rishi Passad is with me and is going to give you something for the weekend. Um, I'm going to give you a winner today, hopefully, Nick, at Newcastle. Um, I think that uh, Freescape might make Ooh, all so the do running. I. Do you? Yeah. Lovely. I think he might make all the running um, to win that Easter Classic for David Monan. That'll be yes. my, my bet of the day. Um, uh, we will find this quite a bit easier than some of the races been running in Dubai that's for sure um, enjoy exactly. the weekend but obviously not too much and make sure you've got plenty of pep in your step when you return to the homestead on Sunday taken as given Nick uh, have a great weekend and I assume you'll be watching the Masters golf conclude on the weekend I will absolutely I've got my uh, Fitzdares fantasy stable oh who's who who, who your who your, Let your me players hang on I'm just going to pull it up here it's actually under my daughter's name didn't you? Uh, hang on, didn't you win some win some prize money from this? In yeah. So the, the, the here we go. Clemmy Luck, Burns, Spieth, McIlroy, Trump. yeah, Thomas, Morikawa. Yeah. yeah all Young. good. Is Young your Joker in the pack? Yeah. Okay. That's that's a very strong quintet and Joker. Well yeah. done. That's pretty good. Yeah. So do you think she's got a shot? Very much so, yeah, definitely. Okay, um, good, excellent. Okie doke. Well, um, right. I will, I will catch up with you very soon. Um, I will catch up with you all very soon as well. That was Friday, April the seventh. Good Friday. I hope it's a great Friday and a wonderful weekend for you. Thanks so much for listening. See you soon. Bye bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.